beautiful scenery and a beautiful game. This is Football in the Faroe Islands and welcome to this week's episode of Corners of the World. The Faroe Islands got their act together quickly and, along with Korea, was the first nation to start their league season after the hiatus imposed by the coronavirus. With this brought the small nation to the world's attention, with television companies in Norway desperate to get the rights to it, and betting sites advertising Scarlett Etrotterflag versus Fuglefjorda as their game of the week. Since then, there have been some great Faroese footballing stories in the past year, from Klaxvik's Europa League exploits to the success of the national team in the Nations League. I discuss these, as well as a strong claim the national team contributed to Leicester's title-winning team, with Saigajan Sigi Einarsson, a journalist at Demoletting, the oldest newspaper on the islands. With the stunning vistas in mind, I started the conversation by asking Siggy where his favourite places to watch football on the islands were. Well, I have to say my own home ground uh, in Runovik. It's always uh, it's, it's not that uh, spectacular visionary wise, but I always felt good there. But you have some spectacular uh, small stadiums where you almost can go straight off the cliff if you just walk a couple of meters beyond the pitch. There are some uh, some quite spectacular pitches around these islands. Mm. So you've mentioned uh, Runovic. Uh, funnily enough, I spun a random wheel generator to generate a team that I'd support in the Faroe Islands, and uh, I drew oh. out Runovic myself. All right. So um, I was following their exploits this season, and uh, they ran it close in the end um, with uh, HB yeah. Torshaven, who eventually won the league season. How would you uh, describe uh, this season in the Faroe Islands? Yeah, you know, all this situation around the world, crazy situation. Uh, it was also crazy here in the, in the islands as well. Uh, this season was just about to start uh, in the uh, beginning of March, and, and some teams played their first match. And it was just around the point where, where the coronavirus hit uh, these islands as well. So from all this preparation for a new season, we suddenly had a full stop and, 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 you know, all the players were all match fit and everything was prepared and, and then just nothing. So everything had to stop. And uh, yeah, some players took it well, some took it not so well. But after a, a couple of weeks, all the teams, uh, they, they just said, we have to continue to, to get ourselves mass, match fit again. And then uh, because of, of, of uh, this nation or, or, or the the health uh, government body of, of the Faroes, they were quite uh, strict and, and they put on uh, some restrictions to, to get rid of, of, of COVID-19 from these islands. And, and they uh, succeeded quite, quite, quite well in doing this. So um, and this opened for, for uh, the chance to, for example, the Football League to start again, one of the first in, in Europe. That was quite, quite something to, to suddenly get the, the international attention uh, to our league, something we're not uh, quite familiar with. Mm. And I imagine that attention was, uh, you know, much appreciated because uh, the league did manage to get themselves started before the Bundesliga in Germany, where a lot of fans yeah. got their football fix uh, initially yeah. uh, once football resumed. And uh, those who did uh, stick around in the Faroe Islands were rewarded with yeah. games with a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there were. That's true, yeah. Runovic were one of the comparatively lower scorers with uh, just the. 50-yard goals in their 27 yeah. matches. But do all the goals make for really exciting football? It does, yeah. The, the Ferris League is known for, for uh, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, there are perhaps 2.3 goals per game, uh, I think the last uh, statistics showed. 
So if you want goals and, and uh, goal drama, the Faroes League is definitely one to watch. And does the Faroe Island League sometimes feel almost like a league of two halves? Because looking at the league table from this season, yeah. you've got teams like um, HB Torshavn, Runovic and Klaxek, yeah. who are just scoring goals constantly. And then teams at the bottom yeah. of the league, like Scarlett and Agir, who only won mm. one game the entire season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You 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 speak of the top five and bottom five, and this is something that has uh, it's been in the league now for five years, and there are people who are beginning to talk about this breakaway, like you know from from the other league top leagues, uh, the Celtic Rangers, the the top four six in in the Premier League. But this was uh, beginning to happen to Ferris as well, and but you can't stop this progress uh, because the top five le- teams have really done a lot of efforts to to make players better, and, and they have uh, more coaching staff, the backroom staff, to to get players in, in better shape and more match fit. Yeah, it's it's a part of the progress, I'm afraid. But within the top five, there isn't one team that constantly dominates like there is in Scotland with, uh, yeah, obviously Glasgow Celtic and Rangers. Oh. Because, uh, well, HB have won the most titles, but it's rare for yeah. a team to go undefeated or, yeah. or retain their titles. Yeah, uh, that's if you can draw some good uh, things out, out of this top five, the, you, you can't say which of these top five will win the league. And of course, the winners go on to uh, qualify for the early stages of the Champions League. So uh, last season's champions, Klaxvik, and uh, that place. And they didn't stay in the Champions League path for too long, but they did get close to becoming the first Faroese team to participate in the group stages of the Europa League. And do you think that um, the kind of new way of doing qualifying where it was only one-legged ties helped yeah. smaller nations like the Faroe mm. Islands get their teams further in the competition? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, uh, and, and we were quite lucky this year, this season, to to draw uh, a lot of the games at home. That is always uh, an advantage for the home team, uh, which in this case were the various teams. Yeah, and it was interesting to follow their success and almost to see that Klaxvik, if they managed to get through to the uh, yeah. stages, would they'd have played Arsenal. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're still pinching their arms. Yeah, they could have been uh, playing Arsenal uh, of all the teams. Uh, and they were very, very close to play Dundalk away. And uh, I, I think they were maybe caught up with the opportunity to get uh, into the big stage Europa League. And uh, I think it caught them a bit. And they played uh, with the, uh, the handbrake. I don't know if that's, that's English. <laughs> but they, they, uh, they didn't play so freely as they have done before. So that occasion was too big for them. And uh, next season, the uh, European Conference League is uh, being introduced as a new third mm. competition in Europe. Do you think that uh, Faroe Islands teams will have a bit more of a chance when it comes to this new competition? Yeah, I definitely believe so. Uh, I think these teams who, uh, who will qualify for, for the European football, they, they prepare themselves quite well for the European games. So, yeah, there's new competition and, and uh, they'll have their say in this, this new format as well. And do you find that fans of clubs like uh, Runevik, the Torshavn clubs, who often qualify for the um, for the European competitions, do you find that the atmosphere is uh, better at these games than in a normal league match? Ah, oh, it depends. Uh, if we have a, a, a rival game, if you take uh, HB Torshavn and the B36 Torshavn, who are bitter rivals, uh, the atmosphere can be very hectic and unfriendly at those games. But, uh, I don't know if we're going to experience that same atmosphere 
in, in international games. It depends on the occasion, perhaps, and the opponent as well. And there's a great amount of support for football in the Faroe Islands. As um, I was reading reports of the uh, title decider back in 2019 for the league, and uh, yeah. there was that saying that you know there were 6,000 people there, which you know seems like a kind of small League Two attendance in in England. Yeah. But that was 10% of the population at that match. Yeah, if you yeah if you look at the bigger picture. If the Pharaohs play an international game, you have 10% of the population in the stadium. So football is very huge on these islands. And there are over 5,000 active football members, of footballers. So that's quite a high number if you take the population. Yeah, that's nice. And do you find that everyone in the country gets behind the national team when there's international matches? Oh yeah, definitely. It's always uh, David versus Goliath, uh, that kind of atmosphere. Uh, we against the world. So, so all the Faroese people, they back their national team. And no, there have not. been a couple of occasions in, in the Faroese history where <laughs> it has conquered Goliath. Uh, can yeah. you describe some of those uh, matches, like uh, the matches against Greece and uh, well, the first ever Faroese match against Austria? Yeah, when the, when the Faroese team, uh, the Faroese national team in the first competitive international game, they were playing against Austria, who had just played the, the World Cup in, in Italy in nine, 1990, to meet those stars uh, that they've seen on television and, and, and play them on the big stage and, and then win 1 0. Uh, it couldn't have started better for, for Faroese football. And all the country went football mad. Uh, if, you, if, if I can uh, tell a bit about Faroese uh, society, it, the Fair Society hit a very financial crisis at, in '92, and if it wasn't for football, the situation here in the country, the country would be very, very sad. It, it was football who kept the Faroese uh, mood up in these difficult times, in this period. And uh, well, I imagine that kind of happiness has continued, especially over the most recent decade. Um, in yeah. one of the uh, qualifying campaigns, they managed to do the double over Greece. Yeah, but it was a, it was a good team at that point, and, and, and you could see the results were coming uh, gradually those years, and, and it just highlighted and it all culminated against the two matches against Greece. The media were calling it the Greek tra- Greek tragedy, and everything. yeah, here in the Pharaohs, they yeah all were uh, ecstatic uh, over those two games. Well, you can imagine, because Greece were ranked 18th in the world at the time before that match. Um, as a yeah. result of losing to the Faroe Islands, uh, the manager was sacked, uh, certain yeah. Ranieri. Yeah, and which team did he go on and, and uh, train afterwards? Uh, he, he trained over. Leicester after that. <laughs> he took over Leicester and see, see how that went. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to, you know, draw conclusions <laughs> no. here, but let's say the Faroe Islands <laughs> national team you know, made Leicester champions of England. Yeah, let's, let's just say that. We have, we have our part. And there seems to be a sort of upward trajectory for the Faroe Islands national team because they've recently been promoted to League C of the Nations League from their League D mm. group. Do you think they'll be able to stick around in League C or do you think it'll be a straight back down? Mm, yeah, it depends. Um, if you look at the League C, there, there are many teams from uh, the eastern part of Europe and, and uh, somehow, I, I don't know why, but, but the Faroese teams have not been able to get so many great good results against teams from Eastern Europe. Well, let's see how it goes uh, to the next uh, Nations League uh, campaign. Mm. And, uh, well, recently there's been 
kind of an incredible story um, in the uh, national team because the uh, pause that the uh, pandemic put on life made uh, Hilmar Leon Jakobsen uh, reassess his uh, career to oh, yeah. a handballer and uh, he was starting as a striker for the national team in the most recent yeah. friendlies. Yeah, what a story. What a story about him. Uh, yeah, he always uh, loved football, but he got an injury uh, when he was uh, 15, 16. And uh, at that time he was playing football and then he was also playing handball. But because of the injury, he, uh, he found himself uh, playing handball instead, did very well. Played for the national handball team of the Faroes. But uh, when the season started again, H.P. Uh, Torson had some huge uh, problems with the, all the strikers getting, getting injured. And um, he was playing for the reserve team just for, uh, just for fun, uh, almost. And, and the, he caught the coach, he caught his eye and, and uh, he said, Can, can't you come and train with us? And uh, from there, he has just progressed and got better and better and better and uh, yeah now he got uh, he got called up for the, for the national team uh, this uh, last campaign I uh, in the two three last games uh, for the Barrows and came on against uh, Malta so yeah what a story about him and another uh, player with uh, quite a story attached to them at the moment is uh, Jon Simon Edmondson who uh, currently plays mm. in the top flight in Germany for Arminia Bielefeld do you think that there's yeah. a potential for more Faroe Island players to go on and play in the major leagues? Uh, definitely. Uh, there are some. Uh, there are quite a lot of players uh, playing in, in the Danish league, in the Norwegian and Swedish league. Uh, those are the leagues that the, the Faroe players have to think about uh, first to play in, in in league to to get better and, and uh, eventually, if if they are getting better, to play for bigger leagues. And we have some uh, youth players as well coming through the ranks who definitely have potential to, to make it on to the big stage. If you look at the Danish national team, uh, they tend to play in Denmark and then uh, a lot of them play in, in uh, Dutch football, uh, which is also a league to uh, progress and get better. Uh, so I think the fairies have to do it the same way uh, in order uh, to get better. They have to uh, eventually playing in different leagues uh, uh, to develop before getting onto the big big stage. Uh, like Jon Swim Edmondson, he, he, went, he first went to Newcastle as an acad- academy player, uh, but he didn't uh, succeed there. And he played in the Norwegian league as well, and Danish league before breaking on in, in the second uh, best league in, in Germany and then progressed to the Bundesliga this year, this season. I think it's a long way for the Ferris players to, to go, but that's a route that they have to take. Sure. And we were saying earlier um, in the men's league that it's quite competitive, but in the women's league, it isn't. Uh, it isn't, no. Uh, but with everything, there has to be a start. And, and uh, for them, uh, if, you, if we just uh, rewind 10 years, uh, the league was almost non-existent, uh, the women's league. They were almost cancelling the league. There were so few women playing. But, but now there's a league and, and more and more teams are, are getting into the league. And, and it, we will get there eventually. Uh, it takes time to, to, to build up momentum and, and to get better. So do you feel like Claxfix uh, 17 titles in a row from 2000 to 2016 uh, was actually yeah. good for the development of the women's game in the Faroe Islands then? Uh, no, it was almost as the other teams did. They didn't want to uh, put on an effort. 
getting battered by by the Klaxwood team. So, but uh, but now there are more uh, competitive teams, uh, and then they are giving Kali Klaxwood uh, a competition for for the league. So that's that's good. Uh, but it will take time as well. Get the other teams going. And with that competition uh, emerging, do you feel like that might have a positive impact on the women's national team as well, who uh, quite often go entire qualification campaigns without scoring a goal? Yeah, uh, but some uh, there are some uh, women who who are getting better, and, and some of the very young are are actually playing in, in uh, Denmark, and uh, and one player is going to play in in uh, Italian football next season, so. Uh, Maybe they will have, that will help uh, the national team as well. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a good development to uh, see them become more competitive against uh, other nations in women's football as well as men's football as they've been doing recently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the, the, these things take it takes time. Uh, but uh, from the Ferris FA, uh, they want Ferris football to develop as well. Uh, but we know it takes time, and but with the right coaching staff and, and the right attitude, uh, they will get there eventually. Mm. And kind of just to summarise uh, everything at the end, how would you sort of in a short sentence maybe describe football and the culture of football in the Faroe Islands? You know, football is, is the world's language and, uh, you know, everyone loves football and especially here in the Faroes as well. Uh, so I... I uh, yeah, it's it's the beautiful game, and uh, everybody can play it. And uh, and the Faroes, uh, te- they tend to really love the game. So I don't know how to, <laughs> how to summarize. Yeah, but we have passion for the game, and uh, who doesn't uh, for this beautiful game? So. Right. Well, brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat. Ah, no worries. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. As this episode is coming out on the 21st of December, I'd like to wish Siggy a very happy birthday today. I'd highly recommend that any groundhopper should consider a trip to the Faroe Islands when regulations allow, not just to check out the brand new underground roundabout, but for the unique stadia that exists on the island. I would also recommend the Faroe Islands away trip to any Scottish fan for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Hopefully, this should be possible by October 2021 when the match will take place. As always, you can check out previous episodes of Corners of the World on the URB podcast page of your favourite streaming service. I'll be back next week with the much-anticipated Corners of the World Christmas special.